you know, going from double A to not in baseball to rookie ball, you just don't really know what to expect. I mean, whenever you hear rookie ball, you think of, you know, hundred person, thousand person crowds and essentially just an American Legion type of atmosphere while well, opening day at Melaleuca Field it was completely different. I mean, it was packed to the brim and just felt right. It felt what minor league baseball was supposed to be like. Howdy and welcome back to the Pioneer League podcast. I'm your host, David Graff. It's another amazing episode of the Pioneer League podcast today. I am sorry for the delay. I did not have a proper microphone as I was doing some last minute traveling and failed to pack the microphone that I needed. Classic me. I secured a new microphone. It's a good microphone. And so we're back in business. There will be no more delays. But today you'll get this episode with current Iowa Cubs play-by-play man and 2015 Idaho Falls Chuckers play-by-play man Alex Cohen and then I'm going to upload right after that Greg Morrison who won the Pioneer League Triple Crown in 1997 with the Medicine Hat Blue Jays and that's an awesome conversation as well but in this episode Alex Cohen he's got an incredible story He grew up in Philly, idolizing Philly's play-by-play man, Harry Callis, and kind of molding what he thinks that's, that's the sound of baseball. So that's really his inspiration for his play-by-play game. He's been all over the globe calling baseball games, which is unreal. The stories he has to tell, he's been through quite a few levels of minor league baseball so he talks about that as well and then we really hammer down about his summer in idaho falls it was really special to him because as you can imagine not many people from philadelphia end up living out in idaho falls even if it's just for a summer so this is an awesome episode and i can't wait for you guys to listen so i won't take up any more of your time Here's 2015 Idaho Falls play-by-play man and current Iowa Cubs broadcaster, Alex Cohen. Happy to be joined now by 2015 Idaho Falls play-by-play person and the first media person on the podcast, Alex Cohen. Alex, how are you today? Doing well, David. How about yourself? I can't complain. So... I want to dive in right away. You grew up in Philly. What sports did you like growing up? Uh, I, I liked them all. Just growing up in a, in a sports rabbit town like Philadelphia, you kind of had to like all of them. Uh, but in particular, the, the Phillies and the Eagles were, were my two teams. Uh, yeah, my, my grandpa was a, was a Phillies and an Eagles season ticket holder for you know 30-plus years before I was born. So uh, just being able to go to those games as a, as a young kid and, and learning out for better, for worse, what, what Philadelphia fans were like. And you're just kind of born into that. So, yeah, definitely Phillies, definitely Eagles. And then to a smaller extent, uh, Sixers and Flyers too. When did you want to become a broadcaster? When did that dream arrive for you? Well, it's actually come full circle a little bit. So when I was younger, I had older siblings, older cousins, and, and an uncle who was on the younger side, closer to their age. And they would always play PlayStation games, and I would never get a turn. 
so when they were playing, in order to make you know, my presence felt in the room, uh, I used to talk about those games and broadcast those games. So at, at a young age, probably four or five years old, I started doing that, and, and that's when I first had the interest. And now with you know quarantine and no baseball season to this point, you know I work for the Iowa Cubs baseball team, AAA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs, and we are streaming live simulations of MLB The Show, the video game, and I'm broadcasting those games. So 30 years later, I'm doing the same thing. That's amazing. It's amazing how life comes full circle sometimes. So who are your some of Absolutely. Who are some of your broadcasting inspirations? So growing up in Philadelphia for the Philadelphia Phillies Harry Callis. I mean, he was the soundtrack of the summer. You know, that deep baritone voice that sounds like it's been seasoned in cigarette smoke and whiskey for three decades. I mean, that's what baseball sounded like to me for really the first decade and a half of my life and consuming baseball, uh, being an Eagles fan, Merrill Reese. I mean, those were the two broadcasters that I would listen to on you know, a weekly basis for football or a daily basis in the summer for baseball. And I would think, I want to do that. Um, and then on a national scope, obviously, John Miller, when he did Sunday Night Baseball, uh, I could listen to John Miller broadcasting paint dry or antique roadshow, let alone baseball broadcasting. So he kind of has the voice and the tempo and the demeanor on air that from a national perspective, um, I would want. So John Miller from you know, outside of Philadelphia, but Merrill Reese and Harry Callis uh, for Philadelphia. Before you ended up out in Idaho Falls in 2015, you had quite a few jobs announcing and around the globe. What prepared you for that summer in Idaho Falls calling the Pioneer League? Well, I mean, it's funny you ask that question just because you know, I kind of took a, a different path to getting to Idaho Falls. So I interned in uh, AAA in 2009, 2010 with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs just outside of Philadelphia. Took a job at Independent Ball in 2011 with the Gateway Grizzlies as their number two broadcaster. Then after that, 2012, 2013, I was a broadcaster for the Huntsville Stars, which at that point, the AA, the, they were the AA affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers. Then 2014, I went a different route and worked for the Oakland Athletics Organization as a media relations and broadcasting intern and wasn't behind the mic. I mean, I just essentially learned from two great mentors and Ken Korak and Vince Catronio and and I wasn't behind the mic. I mean, I just learned and took notes and, and figured out how to do it from a, a, a big league standpoint and how they prepared and their tempo and their pace and the diction that they used and the verbiage that they used. And uh, then I was lucky enough to get a job in Melbourne, Australia, broadcasting games for the Australian Baseball League, where you really just reset because baseball in Australia, it's not the most popular sport. It's not the 10th most popular sport. So when you're calling a game out there and you reference a six four three double play, they have no idea what that is. But the fans are like, what's a double play? What does six four three mean? So you have to break that down to a, a grassroots level. And I use that experience to essentially just start from scratch and learn how to broadcast baseball again in a different way and, and figure out the, the common denominator of listener. And I took that to Idaho Falls, going from one place that I'd never been to in Australia to Idaho, where I grew up on the East Coast and spent some time in the Midwest and the South, I had never been to Idaho. So, you know, taking the drive out there and understanding the, the mystique of the Pioneer League and, you know, the stadiums like in Idaho Falls and in Ogden with the mountains in the background and Orem with the mountains in the background and Billings with the downtown ballpark and 
just really understanding what the Pioneer League means to those cities, um, that, that prepared me to go into that you know, 2015 season and have a successful year. So how did you even end up out in Idaho Falls? How did that job surface on your radar? Well, I mean, you just you go on these websites like STAA, which is a you know, young sports broadcaster website that has job postings for the majority of the minor league jobs that become open. And I saw that the Missoula Osprey and the Idaho Falls Chuckers both had job openings by last week when I was in Australia. So I sent an email with all my new updated stuff from Australia saying, hey, I'm coming back this week. Let's get in touch if you're still looking for a broadcaster. I flew back, and then that next week, I got in touch with Kevin Green, the general manager for Idaho Falls. He interviewed me the day before I broadcasted a college basketball junior college tournament. Um, and then later that day, they offered me the job. And then two weeks later, I was taking a cross-country trip to go out to Idaho to start my summer. So it all, it all came pretty quickly. What was your first impression when you arrived in Idaho Falls? Beauty. It was just such a beautiful ride through the mountains and then driving from Salt Lake City to Idaho and seeing the mountains and so much green and you open the window and it's just fresh air, it's like not polluted and you're not in a big city and it's just, it feels fresh, it feels pure. And then going out there and there are actually falls in Idaho Falls, you got to find them, but you know it's right downtown and you see them and just sitting there and, and understanding the type of environment that you're in, that baseball has just been so packed into the fabric of that community for uh, about 60, 70 years. I mean, it was, it was special and you knew it right from the get go and driving up the Melaleuca field and driving around the Idaho Falls community and seeing all the chuckers gear that it's a pretty special baseball type of community. Definitely. Idaho Falls is a special place. Did you feed off that energy from the town? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, opening day there, we were playing against the Orbals and, you know, going from double A to not in baseball to rookie ball, you just don't really know what to expect. I mean, whenever you hear of rookie ball, you think of, you know, hundred person, thousand person crowds and, essentially just an American Legion type of atmosphere. While opening day at Melaleuca Field, it was completely different. I mean, it was packed to the brim, and it just felt right. It felt what minor league baseball was supposed to be like. And you definitely feed into that energy. I mean, that, that energy is in the game. That energy is in the broadcast. Uh, the energy is palpable throughout the stadium. It was, it was pretty special. What was it like traveling with the team throughout the Mountain West, going to cities that you've never been to before? It was so cool. I, I had ne- it, it, there was there was a bus trip that we took in the second half of the season where we were essentially busing through Montana. Uh, our trip was Billings and Great Falls. I think that was a travel partner. And I woke up from a nap. We left Idaho Falls. I, I think at six in the morning. And I woke up from a nap. It was eleven in the morning. And I kind of just had a had to talk to myself. I, like, I can't believe I'm busing through Montana. Never would would I think I'd be doing this for a job, let alone as a vacation. So. Um, it, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, some of the cities there, I really enjoyed Ogden and Orem. It's essentially a, a suburb. Both of them are suburbs of Salt Lake City. And you, you get it, you get that feel of the mountains and still a small town, but you're still kind of near a big city. There's an In-N-Out burger there, so it really makes you feel at home. I really enjoyed Billings and Missoula. Just being in Montana, Missoula obviously being kind of a college town. Billings, you're right downtown. Uh, Dealer Park is... Yeah, I guess six blocks from like the downtown strip and your, your hotel's right there. So 
just being able to walk and see what the Billings, Montana community in the summer is like, it was a pretty valuable experience. I mean, I loved it. I really did. You're calling rookie league baseball. It's not known for always having high level talent, but was there any talent that stood out to you? That's, that's again, a really good question. Uh, there were a couple players on the Orm Owls in the first half of the season that were really impressive, and they are now in the big leagues. David Fletcher is probably the first half MVP. He spent some time in the big leagues. Taylor Ward was a first-round draft pick uh, out of high school, just 18 years old at that time, and a catcher, now a third baseman, and on the cusp of making the big leagues. He made his big league debut last year. Uh, with the Ogden Raptors, Edwin Rios, who's been up and down in the big leagues with the Dodgers, hit probably the furthest home run I've still ever seen. And that was at Linquist Field in Ogden um, on a Brian Bayless fastball. I still don't think that's landed. It was one of the few times I almost had to mic- yeah, mute my microphone to make sure that I didn't curse on air. It was hit so far. Uh, so it was, uh, Edwin Rios and Willie Calhoun were the two best players on that team. And they were both in the big leagues for that. For Billings, their best player was Tyler Stevenson, who at one point was a top catching prospect in the red system. I remember him having a pretty good series against us. And then Missoula, we played in the championship, and they beat us in three games. And they had a player, Isan Diaz, who was the league MVP overall, has since been traded to the Brewers and then to the Marlins. Uh, he was traded to the Marlins in the Christian Yelich deal. He's just 22 years old. He will be a big leaguer. He's really impressive. Wow, that's quite the memory, running down all those guys from five years ago. Yeah. What were some of your favorite moments calling games in the Pioneer League and traveling with the team and just kind of a rookie-level experience for you? Okay, uh, I have a couple of them. So my – I think it was our second road trip. We went to Grand Junction, Colorado, played the yeah, Grand Junction Rockies. And our second game there, seven-inning game, first part of a doubleheader, the final score was 25-17. to 17. Game had 11 home runs, 42 combined runs, 42 combined hits, and it was a seven-inning game that took four hours and five minutes. I will never forget it. Um, but then second half of the season, first half, we weren't very good. Second half of the season, we won the second half of the Pioneer League, clinched the playoff berth on the last game of our final homestand of the season. Uh, it was on Labor Day weekend. It was against Orem and winning that game. I think it was a 9-7 victory, and we came back and won that game. We scored six runs in the eighth inning and came back and won. And then winning that first playoff series against the first half champions, Orem, in three games, we got killed in the first game. We lost like 14-2. to two, And then went down to Orem and played two games, won an extra inning in the first game, and won the blowout in the second game, and won the three-game series. And then playing in the championship in Missoula. Game three, September 15th of the championship, um, it was 28 degrees at first pitch. I will never forget that either. So it was also on my birthday. So those are probably the three moments in the three games I remember calling the most. Wow, that first game just sounds absolutely nuts. Like nuts. 25-17, to 17, that's a football game. It was a football game. 11 home runs. Wild, wild. Well, what did you learn from your time in Idaho Falls? I really got my love back for the game of baseball. Uh, starting off early on in my career, being in Huntsville for two years, I, I just don't think I was 
ready for an opportunity like that. I, I got down there as a 23-year-old from the East Coast, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and you go down to Huntsville, Alabama, it's just a different culture. And, and you kind of have to humble yourself a little bit. And, and when I was down in Huntsville, I was developing bad habits as a broadcaster, just technically, uh, because I was calling 140 games by myself and didn't really have anybody to bounce broadcast opinions off of. So I knew that I was developing bad habits. That's why I went to Oakland and learned under two big league broadcasters and just taking what I learned in Oakland and bringing it to Idaho and Idaho surpassing my expectations from a fanfare standpoint, a level of play standpoint, the bus rides I enjoyed. Just you kind of learn to love the game again. And And that's what I took from that summer. You mentioned earlier you're now with the Iowa Cubs. What is your favorite part about your job there? Uh, again, uh, just broadcasting in a fun baseball atmosphere. So, AAA baseball at Principal Park in in Iowa, in Des Moines, is one of the best baseball atmospheres I've ever been around just because it's been around for so long. It's embedded in the fabric of this community. AAA baseball has been in Iowa for 30 years, and minor league baseball has been there for 50 years. So, well, 50 years consistently, longer than that in general because they've had some breaks in between. But it's just baseball. You get 13,000 fans coming to a Friday night baseball game of fireworks and there's a bunch of kids there and it just, it feels right. So I think that's my favorite part about being in AAA. Not, not just seeing the level of play because obviously it, it, it's good. You, you get some really impressive talent for prospects and then big leaguers who are up and down, but just the atmosphere and, and knowing that you're one step away from the big leagues and it kind of feels that way. You're, you're pretty close. You've worked in minor league baseball a long time especially across a bunch of different levels. Everybody knows that minor league baseball can be funny, and it's not always the most professional workplace or things are not where they're supposed to be. What are some of your funniest moments in minor league baseball? My funniest moment in minor league baseball have been the times where I've had to dress up as the mascot. So my first mascot appearance is when I was in independent ball and we were short-staffed, and they said, you have to be the mascot for this birthday party. I said, okay, that's fine. So I get in the mascot costume. It's 100 degrees. We're at a water park just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, It was a birthday party for a bunch of 11-year-olds, and I'm in this mascot costume by the wave pool, and the kids decide they wanted to tabletop me, and they tabletop me into the wave pool. Well, the, the mascot costume is, 50 pounds. So I get into the wave pool and I can't get up. I nearly drowned. So they, they, they had a bunch of people just pick me up and I was able to, uh, to live through the ordeal and have a story to tell. So that, that's my, my one moment of being a mascot. And then when I was in Huntsville, I broke my foot during an off season. And I guess my punishment for that and not being able to paint the stadium and get the outfield wall signs ready was to be the mascot for the St. Paddy's Day Parade. So they got me in a mascot costume, put me on the back of a truck uh, in crutches, and I was the mascot for a St. Paddy's Day Parade. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Being the mascot, getting tabletopped into a wave pool. I haven't heard that story before. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I can give you a, a curveball, so to speak. <laughs> Definitely a curveball. We'll wrap it up here. You kind of talked about it, minor league baseball in Iowa, feeling right and things like that. What do you think makes minor league baseball so special? It's just family. It's what, you, what you're supposed to do during the summer with um, you know, your partner and your children and your grandparents and your parents. It's just 
a, a family-friendly atmosphere where you come down to the ballpark, you sit down, you have a hot dog, you drink a beverage, you, know, you watch a, a fun baseball game with fun promotions on the field, you catch a T-shirt, you watch some fireworks after, maybe on a Sunday afternoon you get to run the bases, maybe on a Saturday afternoon you get to play catch on the field. Um, it, it's not like the big leagues where there are more rules, as you said, and it, it's a little bit more uncharted territory with the minors because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, you could go to the ballpark one day and see a 25-17 to 17 game, and you could go the next day and you could see a 1-1 game in 13 innings when you know, there's a tarp that has to be put on the field because of a rain delay and see the general manager doing a belly flop on the tarp. I mean, it's just it, – it's a different breed of baseball, and it's something that's more fun, it's more family-friendly, and it's something that you're going to see something different every day. My first job in high school – was working for a minor league baseball team, so I feel like I've seen it all. The promotions, the games, everything. It's its crazy at minor league baseball. Thank you for your time, Alex. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, that that was fun. And, and again, I mean, my, my time in the Pioneer League is one that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Just busting through, as you said, you know, Montana and Utah and Colorado and Idaho. And that's a summer that yeah you know, I will never be able to relive again, and I, I remember it fondly, and it's something that uh, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Alex Cohen, 2015 Idaho Falls play-by-play man and current Iowa Cubs play-by-play person. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Alex Cohen. It certainly was a fantastic time learning about his story and learning about calling baseball games all over the globe. I still can't believe he went to Australia and then immediately when he got back from Australia, went to Idaho Falls. Talk about just mind-blowing in terms of going all over the globe in one year. That's really touching all of your bases if you want to use a baseball metaphor. (laughs) Anyways, next episode coming up right now. Listen to it right after this, uploading it later today. Greg Morrison won the Pioneer League Triple Crown in 1997 with his hometown, Medicine Hat Blue Jays. And he also played in the Pioneer League in Great Falls. So he's actually the only guy in this first season that spent two different seasons with two different teams in the Pioneer League. Greg never made it to the big leagues. He's also the only guy that didn't play Major League Baseball to crack this list. But it was an incredible interview. He has an incredible baseball story playing all over the United States and Canada in independent league baseball, which is not something that I knew a whole lot about. But he told me all about it. You'll learn some things as well, and you'll be thrilled. This is one of the best interviews of the whole series Greg is candid about why he thinks he never made a dent in Major League Baseball or was able to get all the way called up. He also has some great stories of playing in single A with some future MLB All-Stars in the Toronto Blue Jays system. So I'll let him tell you all about that. But if you enjoyed this episode with Alex Cohen, enjoy the next one with Greg Morrison. But if you're not going to listen to the Greg Morrison episode i ask please kindly if you enjoyed this episode with alex cohen to please rate review and subscribe to the podcast if you do want to hear more episodes like this we've got mike shirting coming up soon 
He's the longtime beat writer for the Billings Mustangs at the Billings Gazette. He does a fantastic job. He's been doing it for almost 20 years. This would have been his 20th year reporting on the Billings Mustangs. So he's got some great stories to tell, and we dove right in as well. So subscribe for that episode, if nothing else. Also, if you want to throw a few shekels my way, it doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't hurt in this economy. I really appreciate all the people that have so far. So I just want to say thank you to those people and thank you and shout out to Turnt Kenny, as always, for the music. Really appreciate what he did for me, what he does. Great friend, great musician. So check out his other music at some of the links in the podcast description. And I'll talk to you on this next episode right now.